From the world beyond Jack's magical beanstalk to mythical warriors of old, humankind has always loved stories of beings that are larger than life. But is there any evidence that these tales could be more than tall ones? Today, we're sharing stories about giants. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like Michigan Dogman. Alien probes. Mars anomalies. Road trolls. Mothman. Weird science buildings. Dark side of the moon. Powers of the mind. ESP. Bubble car driving gnomes. (laughs) Dead astronauts on the moon. Ouija board mishaps. Zombies. Ancient races of aliens. All that stuff. All that stuff and more. Lots more. I'm Christina Callery. And I'm Seth Jablon. And today, we're doing stories about... Giants. Giants. Ancient races of giants, I guess. Something like that. Ancient and maybe not so ancient. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Intriguing. (laughs) Very cool. Well, yeah, I'm excited about this. Like, I definitely have been thinking about this one for a long time. And, like, it also, like, sort of, I definitely got into some stuff that I didn't think I was getting. Like, I thought it was going to go in one direction and it went in kind of another. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, I mean, it's, like, one we've sort of bounced around about. And, like, I feel like it's also had, like, a reemergence in recent years, like, uh, topically. Um, But it's, like, also obviously, like, a very sort of, classic or primordial mythic, you know, subject, right? Which is like a giant human being, right? Right. Of some kind or a giant being human adjacent of some kind. So, um, okay, cool. Um, do you mind if I, I sort of start us off? Like, yeah, please do intro here and stuff. And then we can like kind of go back and forth. Let's hear what you got. Okay. Okay. All right. So, the origins of intelligent life on planet Earth remains uh, still as a mystery, shrouded in antiquity. Uh, elegant graphs of evolution present us with a clean and ordered line to uh, the, the growth of intelligence that we now so proudly revere. Yet, the more we learn about the past, the less clear-cut and the more complex and nonlinear that line appears. Uh, you know, questions arise. Has the development of our bodies and minds always moved forward? Were there, were we always the dominant intelligence? Are there other shapes and sizes that came before us or according to you, (laughs) possibly still around? Um, mythology tell mythology tells of, um, an ancient world where gods and the unseeable forces they represented mixed and mingled with man. These unions often gave birth, literally, uh, to entire races of beings at, at times preceded us or lived in parallel with us, uh, with our civilizations, or in other cases lived sort of distinctly apart, above us, uh, and again, often quite literally. Um, so that just reminds me of like, you know, the elves and their sun kingdoms, right? We talked about them, um, the pagan demigods um, in the mountains or the clouds, right? Um, um, even giants living in their own land. So many believe that, you know, myths obviously 
always contain some sort of element of truth. Certainly, they can be taken psychologically or, um, you know, even or especially uh, spiritually. But is there um, a literal truth there? Were there races of giants that towered over modern man in more ways than one? And why is this such an odd question as well? Like, why are we constantly, we are constantly revisiting the story of our past, yet there are still some things that we are reluctant to revise. Um, certainly there is evidence and examples of smaller versions of hominid, right? So um, uh, Homo florensis, 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 <laughs> again, Good effort. <laughs> um, named after the island uh, that they were found on in Ind- Indonesia, um, they stood around three foot seven inches tall nearly half the height of many uh, contemporary, at least Western sort of uh, human beings. So why is it not potential that there was a hominid twice as tall as them, right? And in fact, there probably was. So um, so the well, first... Well, that would be six feet. What's that? That would be six feet. Oh, twice as tall as... Okay, I, I didn't... I was talking about contemporary humans. So why not a hominid that's twice as tall as... The contemporary human, so as oh, us, right? Okay, like okay. so, like if we're twice as tall, a little more than twice as, or a little less than twice as tall as these, you know, other smaller humans. Why couldn't there be ones twice as tall as us? I should have said that. Okay, got it, got it. Got it. We're live editing here, so <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so my first example, and this is just more to tee us off, right? Um, is the um, Den- Denisovians. Denisovians. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. So, um, so we have possibly discovered, uh, just this being I was talking about in the Denisovians. Um, they are an extinct, genetically distinct, uh, subspecies of Homo sapiens that were just discovered, um, just a decade ago in Siberia. Um, so in first, uh, in 2010, the first Denisovian, Individual is identified through DNA extracted um, from the finger bone of a juvenile female found in the uh, Denisovia cave um, in Siberia. So obviously that's the name Denisovian. Um, so they lived about 50,000 to 300,000 years ago and are known to be very, very tall. Um, and their descendants could have wandered as far at, um, west as North America which we will come back to. Um, so there's certainly some debate about it, right? And there's a lot of, a lot of you know, these scientists nowadays are, are sort of very trepidatious about putting you know, any numbers down, right? Because they, it's hard to actually determine without like full skeletons and all this stuff. Um, but they're thought to have been about seven to eight feet tall. So um, evidence suggests that they had dark skin, um, eyes, hair, and like a Neanderthal-like build, uh, and facial features. Um, they, um, the Denisovians apparently also inbred with modern humans, um, with about three to 5% of the DNA of the, um, Melanesians and Aboriginal Australians and around seven to 8% in the Papuans, um, was, were derived from the Denisovians. So, Obviously, there was also evidence of interbreeding with the local Neanderthal population um, with about 17% of their genome um, from the Denisovia cave deriving from them, right? So these are, this was like a 
species, I guess, that, that definitely like mixed with Neanderthals, mixed with us, and is certainly part of our sort of genetic and possibly evolutionary history, right? So there was some dudes hanging around, you know, potentially 50,000 years ago that were seven or eight feet tall. I mean, that's pretty big, right? Um, So, I mean, I think you'd certainly call that giant. Um, um, Further fossil evidence, right? So throughout the centuries, certain archaeologists have searched for fossil evidence of, um, you know, races of giants. And the evidence includes um, the giant of Castelnau, who was estimated to be um, 11 feet, six inches tall. Um, and this was discovered by the anthropologist George Vacker de La Pogue at the Bronze Age uh, Cemetery uh, in France. Um, uh, there was um, 1894 press accounts mentioned the discovery of bones of human giants unearthed at a, um, a prehistoric cemetery in Montpellier in France. The skulls were around 28, 31, and 32 inches in circumference. Um, I probably should have had like a human <laughs> skull, but it's it's mm-hmm. big. It's like a big ass skull. <laughs> um, so they were um, reported alongside with gi- of bones of other gigantic proportions, which indicated they belonged to um, a race of men between ten and fifteen feet in height. Um, the um, bones, I guess, were sent to the Paris Academy for further study. I'm not sure exactly what happened to them then. Um, uh, the remains of the Siteka, or the Saie, a legendary tribe of red-haired cannibalistic giants, which were allegedly found in 1911 um, in Nevada in Lovelock's cave. Maybe you, maybe you're getting into these. So I won't, I won't mm. okay. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm panning over, I'm panning okay. over these, these, just to like get us into the discussion. Okay, so I'll fast forward here. Okay. But the, the 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 thing I'm getting at here is the ancient world itself. It's it's filled with giants, and indeed, many of the species of today had much larger um, ancestors. Right? Like you know, you look back at like the Jurassic period and like you know the, the 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 times in which we had dinosaurs and stuff. Like a lot of the species that are around today have you know ancient ancestors. Um, you know, that were giant and that included, you know, they were included in an entire animal kingdom of giants, right? right? Yeah, mammoths, saber-toothed tigers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Giant dragonflies. Right. Everything was bigger. Everything was bigger. Yeah. Um, but this idea of giant carries something more in it than just size, right? An impressiveness of, of height or bulk, right? For a lot of our ancestors and for us, there's always this element of the supernatural, Right, beings of great size who not only had great size but also had great strength, or um, you know this this we're kind of familiar with. But if you dig a little deeper into a lot of these mythologies, more so than that, these giants were also sort of titans of the mind, right, <laughs> holding knowledge and and you know, psychic powers that match their physique, right. So they were you know potentially more developed, more spiritually developed, or just, you know, somehow were more advanced in some way, right? So it wasn't just about like, you know, I thought a lot of these tales of giants would be more about more of these like hulking, you know, figures, but um, more often they tend to be about these sort of uh, more advanced races. So my first example um, is from Greek mythology, and that is the legend of the Hyperboreans. Mm. 
So the Hyperboreans um, were a race of giants who lived in a place referred to as beyond the North Wind. The Greeks thought that um, Boreas, the god of the North Wind, lived in Thrace and therefore was named um, Hyperborea, indicating that it's a region beyond Thrace, right? So Hyperborea. So Hyperborea was this perfect place where the sun shone all day and night, um, which sounds a lot like the Arctic Circle, um, you know, during the time of year where it has the sort of midnight sun. Um, it is also possible that Hyperborea was not a physical place, um, at least not an earth um, from the uh, classical Greek poet Pindar, uh, that's how you say it, but um, neither by ship nor on foot would you find the marvelous road to the assembly of the Hyperboreans, right? So, you know, is this a metaphysical place? Is this this higher place in the clouds? Like, who knows? But it was definitely seen as this sort of like idealized land. Um, the um, Greek legend asserts that the Boreids, who were the descendants of the Boreas and the snow nymph, Chion, 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 uh, founded the first theocratic monarchy on Hyperborea. Um, to me, you know, a lot of the Hyperborean descriptions sound a lot like the land of the sun, um, you know, with the elves, right? Like we talked about that, like in Scandinavia. Um, in fact, there are some that believe that Hyperboreans were actually the Scandinavians themselves, right? So the descriptions of Hyperboreans could certainly, you know, with the sort of midnight sun and sun all day and like, you know, this idealized land, um, you know, it has made its all its way all the way into more modern um, uh, mythologies. And um, so, uh, for instance, uh, um, Madame Blavatsky uh, goes a step further and she believed that Hyperborea was this sort of golden age um, in this polar center of civilization and spirituality, right? That we all are uh, evolutionary descendants or rather devolutions uh, uh, from these people. Um, Robert... Sharu uh, um, goes a step further that, um, you know, even positing that they were in fact in uh, a race of ancient astronauts um, of large, very white sort of Scandinavian people who had chosen um, the least warm area on earth because it corresponded more closely to their own climate um, on the planet from which they um, uh, originated. Um, and Sharu was uh, a pioneer, just for those who don't know, um, uh, of the theory of the ancient astronauts. You know, he was sort of along with um, Eric Van Daniken, who was the author of Chariot of the Gods. So, you know, definitely like in some of the more like modern met metaphysical and sort of esoteric worlds, it, it all comes back to the this sort of like alien race or, 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 <laughs> or idealized sort of like advanced race. So, um, okay. So that's, that's the Hyperboreans. Um, the second one I have here is the, um, the Adena Mound Builders. So now we're going to rewind um, back to um, uh, North America and um, the Native American people. Um, the Adena were a Native American people that um, lived around 800 BC to 1 AD during a time known as the um, early woodland period, um, which was a period marked by hunter gatherers, right? So this is a time 
potentially prior to, you know, like farming and stuff like that, where people are like hunting and gathering. Um, uh, the Adena culture um, encompassed a number of Native American societies who all shared a complex burial and ceremonial system. They mainly lived in what is now known as Ohio, um, extending into um, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Indiana, and most importantly for this story, uh, West Virginia. Okay, so um, a couple more things about the Adena um, before we get into it. Um, the, the name um, Adena is not the name of any sort of tribe. Um, in fact, we don't know what these people called themselves or how they were actually referred to by other tribes. Um, the name Adena was actually coined by um, Ohio Governor Thomas Worthington regarding um, a, a piece of land in Chillicothe, Ohio, which he called Adena. Um, and the name was then to be believed to be a, um, a Hebrew name that was given to places for the delightfulness of their situations, that's a quote. Um, this was a reference to a 26-foot tall ancient burial mound that was found on the estate there. Um, so, you know, again, this sort of idealized place, right? This So um, the Adena were known for building mounds. Um, I want to do a bunch more caveats here on this. Like, So they're often referred to as burial mounds. Um, and it's definitely true that the Adena buried people in these mounds, though it is also true that they built mounds in which no one was buried. Um, it's one of those things in the ancient world where, you know, definitely where correlation does not necessarily mean causation. You know, I definitely grew up in a time where, um, you know, they thought the pyramids were elaborate burial mounds, right? Simply because they had bodies found there. I think we definitely know better that than this now, um, in, in Egypt, um, Although we do not know exactly what their origin and purpose was, some believe that, you know, you know, the pyramids, the ancient Egypt, Egyptian pyramids were observatories or had some other spiritual significance. So um, even if people at a later time, you know, had this sort of practice of burying people there, um, it doesn't mean that this was their original purpose. Um, so, you know, a good example is all over Europe, people are, buried in cathedrals. So like imagine an archaeologist 3,000 years from now sort of confidently determining that cathedrals were complex burial mounds, right? So it's, it's my whole point is, is that, um, you know, they had this sort of like very profound skill for building these mounds. And, and it's really truly a mystery of like exactly what they were for. So um, let's talk about the mounds. Um, some of them are effigy mounds, which are raised basically raised pile of dirt that's in the shape of a stylized animal, a symbol, um, a religious figure, uh, a human, or or some other type of figure, right? So one in particular, one famous one, um, which is in the shape of a serpent, which is called the Great Serpent Mound. Um, it's over thirteen hundred foot long, um, and it is a wonder of the ancient world from above. It looks like a long and twisting snake with a coiled tail at one end and um, with some type of like ellipse like in its mouth. And maybe it's like an eye or an egg or something like that. Um, you know, from above, it is also reminiscent of the large scale geoglyphs um, such as the Nazca lines of Peru. Right. So like it's definitely like a mysterious structure. Right. And definitely took a lot of skill 
um, to create. Um, so in this particular mound had no burials or artifacts discovered in it, right? So this was not a burial mound. This was something else. Um, and it certainly had some, um, some sort of religious significance. Um, some people believe that they are star mounds, right? It's mounds that reflect the, um, the heavens, right? Which is not a crazy idea considering how many complexes, um, in the ancient world just did just that, right? In Mexico and, you know, um, Cambodia, um, all over the place, really. Um, others believe that they channeled what, what are called Manitous, which is defined as a um, good or evil spirit um, as an object of reverence, right? So this is from Google. Uh, a tribal shaman was responsible for calling upon the Manitou at special ceremonies. The idea being that these mounds helped sort of channel a fine earth energy be, and that they were essentially built by a spiritually advanced people. Right, that had a, this ability to create these things that, like, like a, some like sort of spiritual tuning fork, <laughs> could sort of put them in contact with these sort of finer energies. Um, okay, so fast forward to the 1800s, uh, as mounds were discovered more and more in what is now the Midwest, and I think you're going to get into some as we go farther west. Um, uh, so did. Um, there was a lot more discovery of um, exceptionally large skeletons, right? So in the 1880s, the Eastern Mound Division of the Smithsonian discovered a number of gigantic skeletons. Near the um, original surface of the mound, um, this is, sorry, this is a quote from, from the Smithsonian team. Um, near the original surface of the mound, lying at full length upon its back, was one of the largest skeletons discovered by the Bureau agents. The length as proved by actual measurement being between seven and eight feet. Um, in the center of a mound, 11, um, three feet below the surface was a vault eight feet long and three feet wide. At the bottom of this lay a skeleton seven foot long. Um, the length of the base of the skull to the bones of the toes was found to be seven feet, three inches. He probably therefore, it was probable, therefore, that this individual when living was seven and a half feet high. Um, so the um, another fun fact, the typical Adena crania were extremely high vaulted, which is called brachycephalic. Is that like the, kind of an elongated forehead? Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, approximately 89% of the adult males and 92% of the adult females are brachycephalic. Brachycephalic. I think that's how you say it. Um, this was from a report by Webb and Snow in 1945. Um, in their report about the Dover Mound in Kentucky, um, Webb and Snow um, noted that the Adena crania um, represented, quote, the highest skull vaults reported anywhere in the world, right? So they had these sort of like naturally vaulting uh, um, skulls, right? So they had like big, big heads, but like big brain cavities, essentially. Now it's believed that they also did, um, practice the art of, um, the artificial flattening of the patient. Oh man, I should just skip that. Just, yeah. Just, just they tell people like what that is. shit around their heads and make yeah, them like tall and makes it long. Yeah. It kind of <laughs> emphasizes that. Right. And okay. there's a lot of people that believe that they did this in Egypt too, that like these, you know, that there are like drawings and then sculptures of like, 
you know, uh, of um, goddesses and gods and Nefertiti and stuff that had these sort of like long backs of the head, right? So, um, so this is where the sort of led the modern legend of the giant race of Native Americans emerged. And there's a lot of contention over this, right? There's a lot of like people who argue about some of these findings and like, you know, oh, they were just people with gigantism that they all just happen to bury in the same place. Okay. Sure, you can argue all that stuff, but there's definitely some Native American legends about, um, you know, about this sort of like these races of giants. So another, I want to do one more caveat here and pause and talk about this for a second. So there's definitely those that believe that the whole ancient alien thing is sort of implicitly racist, right? That whether it's intentional or inadvertent, it, uh, it, um, intentionally or inadvertently steals history from a native people, right? Or at least undermines the idea that these people had the ability to create such grand things, right? Like, like the pyramids. Um, and I, I right. like, and, and, mm -hmm. you know, just doesn't give people credit just because they happen to live a long time ago, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, to yeah, say exactly. that that technology hasn't been lost over time that we don't know. I mean, I think there's like this assumption that we know, as much as we is humankind or, you know, our relatives have ever known, you know, which is an arrogant stance. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Right. Like the pyramid builders of Egypt or Mexico. Like I do, I definitely believe that these were created by indigenous people who simply had a more advanced knowledge that's been lost. Right. Like that's not that hard of a thing to wrap your head around. Right. And, but I don't, you know, so anyways, um, when I was in Teotihuacan, um, they had a plaque up there that had um, that showed two pictures: um, one of Indians building the pyramids with a big green check mark, there, and one of like aliens building the pyramids with like a red cross through it. It was pretty hilarious, but it's basically meant to like you know be an international symbol for like you know no aliens did not build this, uh, Indians did right. So. I'll see if I can take that up and we'll put that on the, the Instagram. Um, okay. So, but in this case though, right. Native Americans themselves had legends of these giants and there's nothing to suggest that they were aliens or white, right? Like, so um, the shape of their heads is a whole other thing. And I know this is another thing that's like kind of unfortunately made its way into some like weird conspiracy theory, like QAnon stuff, right? Like, which all always ends up somehow racist. Right? Like, so like, I definitely want to call that out, but this idea of these, you know, these, um, these sort of like race of human beings at earlier times that had these large skulls that had shaped skulls or, or perhaps were like emulating something they saw or emphasizing something that occurred naturally, who knows. Right. Um, but the idea is that they were, um, you know, of some sort of advanced race of a larger body size and of a lot of larger, you know, the suggestion obviously here is of a larger brain size, right? Like that there's potentially a race of human beings that were like smarter and more advanced than us, you know, at one time um, and also had sort of larger bodies, right? And like, and you can find even some of these legends in like, you know, um, Hindu texts and stuff like that. They're called by different names in different countries, but it's, it's definitely like, a thing that sort of like lurks somewhere there back in our history. So anyways, that is the Adena people and the Adena mound builders. Wow. Cool. 
It was a lot. I know. I just it was a lot, and you didn't do one of the ones that I almost did, but I I I didn't because um, I thought you were gonna do them. Oh really? Well, we can just let you. We can like. Well, basically, in and you know, in Ohio. (laughs) Oh, oh, there was some more Ohio ones. There were some Ohio where supposedly they found skeletons of giants that had double sets of teeth and horns. Oh really? Yeah, and that's all I I know because I just stopped there and I'm like, damn. Oh no! I did the Adina. Like the Adina is like a whole thing. <laughs> okay. But um, I didn't hear about that one. But like, yeah, Ohio's definitely this like like central place. And I've been to the Serpentine Mounds. Um, they are. Oh pretty yeah, you're incredible. from Ohio. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's it, they're actually pretty incredible. It's definitely one of those places that you go. You know, photography does not do it justice. It's one of those eerie places that like I'm sure you've been to. Like where you're like something's different here, you know, like you definitely feel a different vibe to the whole place. And it's, it's, there is a mystery, mystery to the whole thing. There is like the feeling of something beyond. And so, yeah. Very cool. Cool. So, um, do you want to, yeah. You want I'll to do mine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do, uh, the Nephilim, which we've mentioned, I think, a couple times yep. on this show. And basically, um, it, it's, you know, they're out of Bible mythology. Um, so the first mention um, in scripture is in Genesis 6, which is right before the account of the Great Flood. And there's this brief but mysterious verse that says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. So, um, according to some Jewish and Christian interpretations, these creatures were fallen angels or demons that came down, you know, mated with women and had giants as children um the word nephilim there's debate about what it actually means but it loosely translates to giants but depending on your bible translation it either calls them by by this name or uses the word giants um but other interpretations of the word um have been described as precarious with versions ranging from not only giants, but the violent ones, the Oof. bound ones or prisoners, overseers, which kind of gives them a sense of like, you know, authority and mythic status, the fallen ones where you would get fallen angels from, or the ones falling upon their enemies, which would mean very fierce, but not necessarily demonic. These are all definitions of nef- Nephilim. Nephilim, yeah, like different... Um, different interpretations of the word, different translations. Um, so immediately after this verse in Genesis, it's written that, you know, the Lord was grieved by the violence on the earth and sent a flood. So it could be read since it follows right afterward as implying that these Nephilim were somehow part of the violence problem. So um, there's an apocryphal book called Baruch um, and it's attributed to the assistant of the prophet Jeremiah that has a mention of the great flood destroying 409,000 giants 
Oh, really? Um, yeah. And there are a couple other references to very large people or giants in later Bible studies, like famously David and Goliath. Um, so according to scripture, the creatures may not have been entirely wiped out by the flood. Um, and as you found, uh, there are some stories out there that support the existence of these gigantic beings with, you know, curious archaeological finds and really fascinating um, finds. So um, I also have one story as I kind of tease of a modern living giant sighting, which I will Oof. end on. Okay. Okay, so stay tuned. Okay. So I am going to go into the Giants of Lovelock Cave, which you kind of touched upon. And I kind of have to because... Yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah. All right. I was just trying to set a stage, but please go in. Okay. So in 1911, a group of miners led by a man named James Hart descended into a cave about 93 miles northeast of Reno, Nevada. Um, It's about 20 miles south of the town of Lovelock. And in addition to being called Lovelock Cave, the site is also known as Bat Cave because it has a lot of bats, Horseshoe Cave because of its shape, Sunset Guano Cave, again, because of bats. (laughs) Really? Like literal names, right? (laughs) There's a lot of, that's an Indian cave. Cave big opening, cave with rocks inside. So many names. So inside this cave, the miners found an enormous deposit of guano or bat droppings about 250 tons of it and um that was significant because it's the basis for creating saltpeter the main ingredient Mm -hmm. in gunpowder so it was highly valuable so an enterprise called the sunset guano mining company was formed specifically to mine this particular cave but when they began the work they uncovered not only guano but a huge cache of artifacts. So among the find were baskets, weapons, skeletons, and skulls of gigantic size. And they also found burned arrow shafts, and they saw when they were inside that the ceiling of the cave looked like it was charred by fire. And this is an important detail, um, which I'll get into in a bit. But most surprising of all was the discovery of two mummies, and it was a pair of red-haired giants, a male who was eight feet tall and a female who was about six and a half feet tall. And back to the evidence of the past fires. So these discoveries are backed up by local Native American lore. So according to, um, is it Paiute oral tradition? The area was once inhabited by a race of red-haired cannibalistic mm. <laughs> giants, as you said, known as the Siteka, who would make war on the tribe and even capture the people and eat them. Um, legend holds that after many years of being attacked by these giants, the tribespeople rallied together and planned to destroy them. So they waged a battle. They chased the giants into a cave um, basically ordered them to co- ordered them to come out and surrender, and the giants refused. So the warriors set fire to the cave, and all of the giants were burned alive inside. And any who tried to escape were shot with flaming arrows. So it's very interesting that you see this charred ceiling and, you know, these arrow shafts that are burned in, in the uh, archaeological finds. And there's also a written um, account, a peyote account of this story 
1883, Sarah Winnemucca, who was the daughter of um, the the tribal chief wrote an autobiography called life among the peyotes and mentions red haired quote people eaters that her tribe killed and a treasured heirloom dress that had been handed down in her family, which was trimmed in the red hair of these giants. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It is kind of gross. It is kind of gross. So eventually the cave's entrance collapsed in an earthquake and was only accessible to bats um, over the years. So it it made it this great giant bat hangout, um, a big bat outhouse um, that was later discovered by the miners. So in 1912, a University of California archaeologist named L.L. Loud headed up an excavation of Lovelock Cave. And the project recovered more than 10,000 items, including a donut-shaped notched stone calendar, very elaborate duck decoys, extremely large weapon shafts, and a giant pestle. So all of these, th- you know, most mm. of these things kind of indicating, you know, a large people. Um, and these items were estimated to be used by inhabitants dating to about 4000 BC. And this wasn't the end of the discoveries in the area. In 1929, um, Loud and another archaeologist named Harrington published a book called Lovelock Cave, which documented the discovery of giant skeletons with red hair and even included the photographs of a large skull along with a humanoid-looking skeleton that has a very elongated skull, kind of like what you were describing. Mm-hmm. And in 1931, two more skeletons were found in the Lovelock area in the Humboldt um, dry lake bed, and these were even bigger. One was eight and a half feet tall and the other was almost 10 feet, and both were wrapped in this gum um colored fabric that looks similar to the wrapping used on Egyptian mummies. And in 1939, yet another skeleton was found at um, a nearby ranch called Friedman Ranch. And this one was about seven feet, seven inches tall. So mummies were also found in a place called Spirit Cave. And recent carbon dating was performed by a Smithsonian staffer named Douglas Owlsley. And it showed that they were about 9,500 years old and that their DNA was Caucasian. Okay. So apparently some of these artifacts are housed at the Humboldt Museum in Winnemucca, Nevada, including some giant mummy skulls, which aren't on display. But they're apparently in a back storage they're room. Them? They're hiding them from us. They're hiding them. There's a lot of like conspiracy theories about like yes. the like ancient races and being hidden from right. by archaeologists from the from the people from from everybody. <laughs> right. So there are several eyewitness accounts of people who've actually seen the skulls um, in a storage room, and apparently there's like there've been confirmation of their presence by other people. And there's also a photo. Um, which was taken by a man named Don Monroe in the 70s, which shows a row of skulls. And one of them is like particularly large and it seems to have two rows of teeth. So we'll definitely post that one. Um, yeah, and we'll like like you said, they believe there's some kind of cover up going on. Um, and according to Barbara Powell, who's the director of the um, collection, the museum is prohibited by the state of Nevada from putting skulls on dis- public display display because quote the state does not recognize their legitimacy it's hmm. kind of a mysterious statement 
Like they're not like skulls. Doesn't like I, do, yeah? Does it, they look like skulls to me from the photo? Or like, I don't know, like or, the, or that they're not authentic, or you can't verify their. You can't verify like yeah. the dig site or something from where you got it. Like that it could be a th- I don't know, who knows? Who or, knows? Or, or or they just don't want or us to they're know. Right? Like the conspiracy guys are right. They're, like, yeah. <laughs> they're hiding it. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of the state not recognizing stuff, this next one is a doozy, and it's allegedly still classified. Okay, so according to um, alleged eyewitness accounts reported by one L.A. Marzulli, who's an author and filmmaker with special interest in the Nephilim, um, and he kind of is like all about the intersection of biblical stories and archaeology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in 2002... A U.S. Army squad went missing in the desert of Afghanistan near Kandahar, and a special ops task force was sent in to investigate and try to figure out what happened to them. And this was eyewitness accounts that told him, okay? And it was said to be a strange disappearance because there were no distress calls. Um, They suspected the squad could have been ambushed, um, but even that was strange because there should have been time for someone to send a message at least back to base and, you know, let them know what was going on for someone to do it. Um, So the soldiers followed a trail that led them along this treacherous mountain path to the opening of a large cave that was surrounded by rocks. And at the mouth of this cave, they found all over the area in this clearing uh, broken U.S. military equipment, including radio communication devices, um, gear, it was scattered all over the place. And lying amidst the stones and rubble, they also found cracked bones. So at this point, they were not only wondering about a possible ambush, but also, was this a wild animal attack? What happened? Something happened here. Um, And the soldiers assumed um, an anti-ambush stance so they all kind of like took the just in case, you know, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. it was, was was still around when all at once a what was described as like a 10 to 15 foot tall giant with long red hair and beard of the same color with six digits on each hand and a second row of teeth appeared at the mouth of the cave and attacked them. Awesome. Yeah. So wait, can you can you do this description one more time? It's, yes, it was- he was. 10 to 15 feet tall, long red hair, beard, also red, six fingers on each hand, a second row of teeth, very angry. Um, And so according to one witness who who called himself Mr. K, he said, it was a monster, red beard, scarlet red long hair covering his shoulders, and Dan, one of the soldiers, runs toward him, firing his weapon, and then all of us come back to reality because that scene was surreal. Unquote. So this guy, Dan, was very brave and actually ran at the giant, but it didn't end well for him. Um, At this point, the giant leaped into the clearing in front of the cave where the soldiers are all, you know, scattered, and at this point, firing at him, and it's not taking him down. So the giant pierced Dan with this long spear-type weapon he had and then held him up in midair, kind of like he was skewered, while advancing against the squad. So he keeps walking forward. They're firing at him, and he's holding the soldier on his spear point. 
So at this point, the, the soldiers started yelling to each other, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. And they all began firing their semi-automatic weapons and sniper rifles directly at the giant's face, supposedly for a full 30 seconds before they finally took him down. And he kept fighting during that time, kind of like, I'm imagining like the final scene in Scarface. <laughs> so after killing him, the soldiers went into the cave and they found human bones lending further credence, if you want to call it that, to the giant redhead cannibal phenomenon. Um, and then the body was supposedly loaded onto a helicopter, transferred to a top secret location in the United States for further study. And that's the end of that. But the giant was said to weigh around 500 kilograms or 1,100 pounds and was wearing some kind of moccasin-style foot coverings made out of animal hides or canvas. I'm not sure what else he was wearing, but I'm, I'm imagining like a giant loincloth, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to his six fingers, he also, you know, witnesses said that the nail edges, like of his fingernails, had some kind of weird fungus on it, which is really gross um, because they were like bulky and irregular. Uh huh. So he's not getting regular many petties in the he's cave. Not, yeah, he's not taking care of No, no. And no self care for this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Because he was also described as smelling really bad, which I suppose you would if you lived in a cave and maybe didn't bathe ever. Um, yeah. But witnesses described, quote, a terrible stench of musk and dirt exuding from the body like a man who, quote, didn't shower for 10 years. Um, and then intriguingly, there's supposedly similar lore to the Native American legend I mentioned among locals in Afghanistan, though, about cannibal monsters living in the caves. And, you know, come to think of it, wasn't the Jack and the Beanstalk giant also a cannibal? I think he wanted oh, to yeah, eat. Oh, right. yeah, right. He wanted yes, to eat Jack, for That's sure. That's right. right, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so Snopes uh, claims this story is false, stating, quote, a Department of Defense spokesman told us they have no record of such an incident. We of do not say that. <laughs> and, and well, here's yeah, exactly. So apparently, the statement was: we do not have any record or information about a special forces member killed by a giant in Kandahar. Just the fact that they responded to that, definitely they do. Totally, totally. Okay, so but just taking the military statement at face value isn't oh, yeah, what we yeah. do, right? Okay, that's right. Okay. So, but the alleged eyewitnesses state that the military is very aware of the event and is covering it up, which wouldn't be the first time, nope. right? Okay. Nope. So the, so there's something to this redheaded giant thing, right? Yeah. It's a prevalent right, yeah. story. I, Ginger giants. For this, yeah, but yeah. Um, I mean, I had to do this one because I'm a redhead, yes. but I'm I'm about five four on a good day, so I didn't get the giant gene unless you count my no. '80s hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so like we discussed earlier, you know, there could be a scientific explanation. And actually, um, it's been posited that maybe the atmospheric conditions in um, prehistoric times or earlier times caused or enabled creatures to grow larger, hmm. including people-like creatures. Because um, our current atmosphere is thinner. And there, was, there were actually some controlled scientific experiments done that seemed to prove this out where scientists attempted to replicate prehistoric atmospheric conditions and they were able to grow these gigantic piranha. Wait, so because the 
atmosphere was more dense in more dense and in prehistoric times full and things were able to yeah, grow bigger magical stuff i don't huh, know interesting. yeah yeah so those are my giant stories cool awesome those are great so okay so yeah what what do you think what, what's up with these giants like <laughs> what's going on here well i mean i i completely believe that there were larger you know, tribes of people or groups of people or, or, or relatives to people. I, I, it makes complete sense. Why wouldn't there be? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, mean at this maybe point, they, they've definitely proven that there are, there were, but the question is like, like, is there more to it than that? Like, is there more to it than just like, there is there was something some, spiritual? Is there something, yeah, something uh, special, something, something like, you know, like the, the redheaded, I mean, that one hey, sounded maybe. very like, when you're reading it to me, like very like Sasquatch, right? Like very wild man, like right. Yeah, like, I mean, he was described as a as a giant, almost like a person. But yeah, who knows? Right, maybe it right. was. Maybe it was a, a Sasquatch. That's maybe actually had, and and the weird smell would kind of back that up, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like, do you, are these like just big ass human beings, or are they they're like a whole different thing? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of putting my money on maybe they're a relative. A relative. Uh, yeah. Or some so, kind of high, like a hybrid or something. Well, yeah. Okay. So I mean, that's that what the lore, you know, in mind, like with the Nephilim is kind of like around a hybrid, whether that's, right. you know, if it's something, you know, demonic or something angelic or something alien or, or just like a distant ancestor, you know? Yeah. And, and it's described in those mythological terms. Yeah, because like, okay, so I mean, we've definitely covered this before. There is a ton of mythology around just like, you know, t taking a panning over all the sort of mythologies of the world, ancient, modern, whatever. There are a lot of stories about like the gods mixing with man and then mm -hmm. creating another, right, mm -hmm. some type of race, right? And like, so like, what's up with that? Like, were these like aliens <laughs> or they're like, or like were there literal angels coming down or was it like, what's the difference? Right. Like if some, right. Or is it describing like a spiritual evolution, you know, like right, kind of, right. is it like a spirit, is it a, a, a way of talking about, you know, like a metaphor or allegory for that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If, if, you know, if someone or like another word for that might be evolved, right. Like if mm -hmm. you have a, a you know, uh, a group of, of humans that are like, for whatever reason, have become more technologically advanced or not technology, more spiritually advanced, more evolutionarily advanced, right? They're going to appear um, as like, you know, uh, um, higher than you, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we must seem sort of scary to some like tribe, you know, in terms of like our powers, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can do this or that. Like, so... Was yeah. there a time when, like, there was just a more spiritually advanced, group? spiritually advanced, or maybe mm -hmm. uh, maybe spiritually devolved? Because um, you know, according to the the Nephilim legend, right, right, you right. know, if they if if they were more of a warlike, violent yeah, group right, of right. people, yeah. maybe there was something negative, you know, infused yeah. into their you know spiritual essence. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, are we the <laughs> Like there's there's different versions of this story too. Like, are we the descendants of just like the terribly violent tribe mm -hmm. <laughs> that like overpowered the like more peaceful advance? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we don't know the real story of our history, and 
I think it's definitely more complicated. It grows and grows more complicated as we, as the years go by and we, we, you know, science advances and, and all that. But I think also our, this, this sort of story of our spiritual origins is just as complicated, right? Like there's influences there. There's things that happen there that have shaped who we are, right? That, you know, you look around at the world around us and like people scratch their heads. Like it seems crazy because largely it kind of is right. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense for an intelligent species to kind of act the way we do, <laughs> right? Like with all the like technology we have and all this stuff that we could do, we don't do it, you right. know, you know, and a lot of these stories about like, you know, uh, um, you know, a lot of these stories from the um, air force and stuff that are coming out about like alien races, like withholding technology from us because like we're so crazy and like we, you know, they don't like, the, you know, yeah. that we kill each other and stuff like, so something and there's a mon- there is a monstrous side to our nature. Yeah. yeah. So that, that all makes me think that something did happen. Like whether like that was like tried to, someone tried to capture that and like, you know, some of these ancient scriptures or whatever, like who knows what exactly what happened, but something went wrong. Right? <laughs> like at some point something went wrong with us. Like, I don't know. That's what I believe. But, um, you know, and so the, the, the notion that there could be a more advanced, uh, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying not to use the word race because I don't think that's the right word. Like that's like an imaginary world kind of, but like group of people that, you know, in our past, like that doesn't seem that crazy to me. In fact, I'm fairly sure there was right. Like based mm-hmm. on like some of the works. It seems <laughs> like, know, it seems like there are multiple, multiple, multiple um, groups of giants and different kinds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and maybe some of these had bigger bodies and I don't know what, what, if there's really credence to this sort of high vaulted head thing. I mean, it's definitely an interesting thought. Right. right? And they like actually it, found more in Peru. I was actually going to. Oh, Look really? Into that a little more oh, okay. time, but it's a yeah. thing. We could do it's, a whole other one. We could do the ones with the horns. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. But like, yes, there, there was. It was like they would like bind their heads to sort of shape them. But mm-hmm. a lot of them also had just larger. Right, and the question is, cranial, you know, did people start binding their heads to emulate something? You know, was it? Was yeah, it something that's one of the thoughts that, out there, right? Like yeah. that, yeah. But I also don't think it's like. I mean, I've said this before on this show, like. I also just don't think it's that crazy that like if, uh, you know, some type of um, alien species was able to get here, the notion that they would intermingle with us like right. is not that crazy to me, well, right? Like, I mean, yeah. And, and actually, if you guys haven't listened to it yet, you need to go listen to our oh, alien yeah. sex episode <laughs> yeah, and our ghost great. sex episode if you question <laughs> whether or not, you know, people have sex with spirits or having sex with yeah. spirits. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, mm-hmm. I mean, we had sex with Neanderthals, with uh, Denisovians, uh, plenty of other species. Like, that's not, that happened, right? So, you know, and I guarantee if we were able to get off this planet and go to another planet, if there was something human looking like, fuck, come on, pe- people fuck animals like <laughs> on this planet. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. hell yeah, we would do it. Like <laughs> go into another planet. So like probably be one of the first things we try to do. So I don't think that, <laughs> you know, I think if. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What's up? I'm from Earth. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Um, yeah, so I don't know. 
but like it, it all comes back to like the idea that there is a some sort of like missing piece to our story right mm-hmm. like i think that's what it all comes back to is like we don't know we don't really know the origins of language we don't really know the origins of, yeah. of consciousness or civilization right like we don't really know this stuff and we have a lot of good thoughts around it right mm-hmm. we have like evidence for this or evidence for that but there is a gap right there is a gap in like what really what was that catalyst right like why did we start talking why did we start because it really from from a time scale point of view like it wasn't really that long right like to go from you know banging around the the forest to like all of a sudden talking and 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 you know creating art right like what's the some of the older paintings 50,000 years ago or something like that like what is it the the cave in France where um uh there's like paintings that were done there over like several thousand years. <laughs> there's like mm-hmm. layers and layers of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so w- what is what is this missing origin? And, and I think that there's something, you know, supernatural to that in the sense that it's something beyond what we understand of nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I mean, whether that was like a god, whether that was like an alien, um, you know, whether that was psilocybin mushrooms, you know, according right. to some people, like, you know, that, so we just don't know. Or whether but there like, were some scary wrong turns in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. All, all right, right then. Cool, we did giants. We did do giants, yes. And um, we got some more good ones coming up. We do, and we're back on we're back on schedule right now. We took a little bit of a break, little little hiatus, but we're back, and yeah, so. So send us your stories, shadowlandpodcast at gmail.com. Um, please give us a rating or review, and uh, follow us on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Yep, all that stuff. And then check out our website also. Yep. Cool. All right. So um, I guess we did it. So I guess until next time. Until next time. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Shadowland Podcast is produced by Seth Javlin and Christina Callard. Edited by Tim Kelly. Theme music by Tim Lincoln. Thanks, Tim. 